0: Well, good morning, church. It's, it's great to be here again. Felt like I was a bit of the prodigal son returning this morning. Everyone everyone told me how long I haven't been here for. I think I only missed last week, but I might, I might be wrong. It might be a blur past that, but a couple of people like it's so great to see you. haven't seen you in a while, so glad that I was missed. But I'm here today. So as Joe prayed, we today we i 've been challenged to talk about the the topic of grace you know, that, that grace that we received from god but but my prayer this week and my prayer in in the prayer meeting before was was that this won't just become a a theological topic in our heads, it won't just become something that we know more about, it won't just become something that that is that is there that we know about, but rather that it'll become a vital truth that we we seek to understand. Uh, a truth that we settles in our heart, a truth that, that we live out, that, that we are saved by grace. It's not, it's not just good to know about it, it's not just good to, to have it in our heads, but, but how does it affect how we live is, is the outcome. So if you want to turn to Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10, one of the most famous passages that talk about grace. is what God's word says. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy and great in love and, lo- and, and love great and great in love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated him in heavenly seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in coming age we might know the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And then the verse that we know so well. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing, but it is a gift from God. Not a result of your works that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's open in prayer again. So, Lord, we just thank you, for, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that your word just gives us an idea of who we are and, and what you've done for us. Lord. So, Lord, just pray as we speak about grace again, Lord, that it will just be a, a stirring of our hearts to to thank you more, to know you more. So, Lord, I pray for this in your name. Amen. So, just a few thoughts that, that jump out of this passage Firstly, this, this passage shows us who we were. And as I stand here today, I've, I've realized something, that, that the only way grace sometimes makes sense in my mind, the only way the grace of God, I understand it better, is when I understand what God saved me from. When I, when I look back at who Mark was to who Mark is, I kind of get a grasp of, of what this grace looks like. And today, if we view ourselves as all right people, if we view ourselves as, as not that bad, if we view ourselves as, you know, we can achieve this alone, then the question is, what is the need for grace in our lives? Because then we can just do this by ourselves. And often when we compare ourselves to people, we, we're very clever when we do this. You know, I'm not that bad. I'm not like the people in prison. I'm not that bad. I'm not like the guy who just murdered someone. I'm not that bad. You know, I'm better than Hitler. We we often compare ourselves to, to those who we know are bad. But the question is, how would we compare if we were to line up to God? God who is holy. The Bible paints a different picture of, of what we look like in that. And Ephesians gives us just a few wonderful descriptions of what we looked like. Firstly, it tells us that we were dead. This isn't just a figure of speech. This isn't just a... A useful for emphasis but rather it shows our condition the condition of our heart outside of Christ without Christ we are dead without Christ there is nothing but you might be asking you know I seem pretty alive I seem like I'm sitting here today breathing I woke up this morning so I'm pretty sure I'm alive so how can you be saying that I'm dead and the passage tells us that we we're dead in our trespasses and our sin to trespass as we know is to to cross a known or an unknown boundary, to, to jump the fence. Once I went hiking in the Drakensberg Mountain, Drakensberg Mountains, uh, Mount It's I think it's the second or the third highest peak in the Drakensberg, and little did I know, while we were climbing up and getting there, there's this little rusty barbed wire fence that you jump over and then you, you walk around for about two or three k's and you jump back over it on the other side and then you're ap- at, the at the viewing point. Um, I was chatting to someone about a year after that and he told me that's the fence between South Africa and Lesotho. So i stand here as one who's jumped the fence before, <laughs> twice, had to go there and back. But, but that was, I, know, I had no idea, I thought it was just a farm fence. So, so often we, we cross borders or, or we trespass knowingly or unknowingly. We, un- we willingly or unwillingly cross the boundaries that God has set for us. God has, God has commanded us what to do, and often we, we, we skirt around the gray edges. Did God really say, does this really mean? Often we like children, if, if you tell your child that something's hot, every part inside of them wants to touch it just to make sure you're telling the truth. And, and that's what we do with God. We we question, you know, has God really said this? Did God really do this? And we, we, we jump the boundaries. We, we push the limits of, of what God has said. But secondly, it tells us that we are, we are dead because of our sin. That we miss the mark. We fall short of the glory of God. The, the truth is this, that we, we break the commands of God. We disregard His ways, which has separated us from God. It has, it has separated us because of our sin we are spiritually dead so this verse isn't saying that we're physically dead but rather tells us that we are spiritually dead we are separate from god and nothing we can do can try bridge this gap by our own efforts the more we try the more we fail but there's good news that's coming secondly we we told that we were we were enslaved we once walked following the course of this world we were we we were enslaved by by our sin. We were enslaved by, by the way we lived. At the best way to describe this and, and the way Paul explains it is, is that we were bound in shackles. It wasn't just that we were taking a gentle, gentle walk in the, in the park. But rather we were bound in shackles because of our sin. We were bound to the course of this world. The good we do will never break these shackles. The good we do will never even loosen them at all. This is our natural position we want to follow the ways of this world this verse tells us that that the shackles were put on us or we were bound by these shackles by the prince of the power of the air it's quite a cool name i think that could be a movie title there but the prince of the power of the air more more commonly known to us as satan that that we followed his ways we, or we followed his passions before and the truth is that that we were shackled by the plans of satan in this world this doesn't mean that we, we walked around doing as much evil as we possibly could this doesn't mean that we went about trying to commit as many sins as we possibly could but rather as i as i thought about this more and more the the best and the worst illustration came into my head at the same time so i'm going to share it and and as as forced. We were forced to believe this lie that, that we could do it by ourselves. And in my mind, I, I picture Satan sitting on our shoulder like you see in the cartoons. Not a, not a great theological understanding, but, but Satan sitting on our shoulder telling us that, that you know, Mark, you can do this. You, can, you just need to try a little bit harder. You just need to give a little bit more effort. You know, you, you, can, you can get rid of these shackles by yourself. You can do this. You can do this. You don't need anyone else. You can do this by yourself. But then as soon as you fail, as soon as you, you fall short, his story changes, and, and he tells you that you're useless. He tells you that you're a failure. He tells you that you can never achieve anything. And the result of this is that we stay bound to the course of this world. We keep trying harder and harder by our own efforts. We keep trying harder and harder by our own standard to get rid of it. But rather we stay bound to, to, the, to the idea that we can do this by ourselves. We stay bound by the idea that, that we are in sin and there is nothing that we can do to get out of it. But thirdly, we are told that we are condemned. Paul adds the final nail to the coffin. He tells us that, that we were dead We were enslaved and we were condemned we were by nature children of the wrath like the rest of mankind we were the objects of god god's wrath because god is a holy god god cannot stand sin he can't just let sin pass by he needs to punish sin god's wrath isn't just because he's having a bad day or or you know things weren't going so well today and that's why he's angry but rather god's wrath is holy God's wrath is against sin. But his wrath is against us because of our sin. It's not just sin in general, but rather our sin as well. And this is what this is what has separated us from him. But as we as I as I was preparing this and as I as I've preached this before at Stirling, but there was a there was two there was two important cases that that were were solved or Judgment was handed out in in December, if you if you can remember back, you know Christopher Paniotti and Oscar Pistorius. Those were two cases that that happened, and and we look and and all the all the reports, all the the, the questions that were asked were, everyone was wanting justice, everyone was wanting them to get what they deserve, you know. The, I read this article and Facebook and. And there was one thing that jumped out to me, and it said that they are now receiving the right punishment for the crime that they have committed. And as I thought about that, and I thought about us, that, that we are condemned. We are by nature children of wrath. And getting death for our sin is what we deserve. Getting death for, for our sin is, is the punishment that we deserve for, for the sin that we have committed against God. And God would not be just if He just swept our sin under the carpet. God would not be just if He just let, it, let us off the hook. You know, we, we cry out in a world for justice. Yet often when we, when we relate to God, we, we hope that He's, in a sense, unjust or unjust. We kind of just want Him to forget sin. But if someone's done something against us, we want justice, we want to see them punished and 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 in a sense god needs to punish us for our sin but this is our pre-christ situation and for those who who may still be there there's hope and for those who believe there's encouragement today to to continue and our favorite two words in the bible appear next verse 4 but god this is who we were but now God, the God of the universe is, is breaking in, the God of the God who we believe in, who who steps into our situation. The first important point here is that is that without God stepping in, without God fixing this, we would still be in the same situation that we are. But God and Paul breaks into to to worship of who this God is a God who is rich in mercy. He doesn't run, his mercy doesn't run out. It's a vault that's depths are unknown. He's rich in mercy. It's uncomprehendable to you and I. But we can worship Him because He's rich in mercy. He is great in love. Love is not just something that God does, but who He is. He loves us. He's showing you and I this love. He's created the heavens and the earth. He's made everything, yet He loves me. He did not love me because I was good enough. He didn't love us because we, we did enough. But rather he loves us because of who he is. He loved us so much that, that we were made alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. And then those famous words, it is by grace that you have been saved. Verse 8 again, Paul emphasizes the same statement. He says it is by grace. It is the grace that God has shown us. A God who is rich in grace and mercy. It's God who has done this. You have been saved from the wrath and the death that, that you, d- you deserved. Through faith. This is trusting and believing that the grace you have received is enough. Which the danger today is that we can believe in grace. We, we can go, Mark, I agree with everything you've said so far. But often we can think that God's grace is not enough. I believe in grace, but I want to add to it. I want to do something. It's, it's, grace, for, it's grace plus what I've done for God. Grace plus my achievements that, that I have. Grace plus how often I read my Bible. Grace plus how much I give. We often want to add to grace. We want, we, by nature, we want to do something to deserve something. I think it's think human nature, when someone offers you something for free, I know if, if you're anything like me, my first, report, my first response is, what do you want from me? Because like, no one's going to give me something for free, because there's got to be some, some thought, sort of response that they want. But this is where, where we need to have faith, that the grace that God has offered us is, is free and it's enough. There's nothing more that we can do. There's nothing more that we, we can add to it, but we need to accept that then he carries on to say this is not your own doing but it is a gift from God. It is nothing we can do, there is nothing we can add the only thing that we added to to our salvation was the sin to start with Jesus was the one who who died on the cross to take that away. This is a free gift that that has been given to us. It's nothing that we can earn, there is nothing that we can buy but all we can do is surrender our hearts and accept it It has been given to us. We need to just accept it. He carries on to say this is not a result of works so that no one could boast. So I'd just like to pause for a moment and and ask you to think of this question. What What would it look like if grace was earned? What would it look like if we could earn our grace? I think we would live with the question, have I done enough? What happens if I die on a bad day? You know, I, maybe I haven't had a good day today. What happens if I die? What happens if I forget to read my Bible and pray? You know, do I lose points in my, in my grace bank account? You know, and, and how much is enough to, to qualify? But the truth is this, that, that grace isn't earned. It's a free gift from God. It's a gift that He gives us, a gift that we just need to accept. However, as I said... When, when we're talking about the faith section, I feel like every part of us would like to earn it. Every part of us would 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 like to earn this grace. Then we then we could wear our badge of honor. You know, we could put our certificate above our desk and go, you know, I've earned this. Except we have the challenge to to worship God, the One who's done it all. Church, this is the this is grace that you and me, a sinner, dead deserving of punishment, can be brought back to God. Not by our own actions, not by our own doing or our own work, but rather as a result of the love and mercy that God has shown through Jesus Christ. That, that this is grace, that, that Jesus has done it all. I heard an interesting quote recently. It says that there's no algorithm that heals the human heart. The only thing that heals the human heart is Jesus. We can try so many things, we can try so many ways, but he's the only one who, who can bring us back to God. So what should the result of grace be? What should the result of the grace that we, we so freely ha- have available be? Firstly, it should make us humble. It is not our work. It is a gift that we receive for free. You and I received it in the same way. I can't stand here today and boast in my efforts I can't stand here today and tell you how how much I've done to earn God's grace. But rather, grace levels the playing field. Grace makes us equal. We are all, all in need of the grace of God, and God has freely given the grace to all. It should make us humble. Grace should make us humble and boast more in Christ, not more in our own efforts. It was all Him and not us. Secondly, grace should make us worship. We can worship God for who he is. His mercy, his love, his justice, his grace, his plan to save us. The list could go on and on. I don't think we can ever run out of things to worship God for. We could we, we can never have the reason we can never say I don't have a reason to worship God. A correct understanding of the grace that we receive should drive us to worship him more and more. Because we realize again and again, that we couldn't do it by ourselves. We realize that, that God is the one who's done it all. We appreciate the, the change that He has done in our lives, and the correct response is that we worship. A correct understanding of grace should make us humble worshippers and not boastful moaners. So often we complain about things that haven't happened, or the things that have, might have gone wrong, the things that that we think God hasn't done for us. But rather we, we should be able to, to say, God I worship you and I come before you and I know you have a plan. I know you are working. It's, it might be different to my plan but, but I'm going to worship you through it. Finally, as we see, grace, grace causes a change in our life. As I said in the beginning, we only understand grace when we understand what we were saved from. But the opposite is true. We can appreciate grace more when we understand what it has made us. What grace has done in our lives. Verse 6 and 7 says that, that is by grace you have been saved. And that we were raised up with Christ Jesus, seated with him in heavenly places. We once were objects of wrath. We deserved death. We deserved punishment. But God, who is rich in mercy and love, has shown us grace, given us a new position. We we are seated in heavenly places. We are co-heirs with Christ. Church, let us not brush past these facts. This is what grace has made us. We were sinners. We received mercy. We received grace. And we are made righteous. It's not just that we were made neutral. It's not just that God forgave us of our sin and, and we were left neutral, but rather He, 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 he put his, his Son's righteousness on us, that we are made righteous before God. It's nothing that we've done, but it's all because of what Jesus has done. And the result of that is, is what, what Paul carries on to in verse 10, that we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The result of our grace, the result of the grace that we received is not that we do good works to earn it let's clarify that it's not that we need to do good works to earn this grace but rather that we are god's masterpieces we represent the grace that god has shown us so therefore we go out and do good works so that others can see what has happened inside of us that others can see the change that has happened we are built up because of grace without it we are nothing We display what God has done to the world around us. We were a sinner, but now we are saved by grace. We are a masterpiece. We are are like that expensive piece of artwork that everyone comes to look at. We represent God to the world around us. We reflect what Christ has done in us. So as I conclude, there, there might be three groups of people that are sitting here today. The first group is this may have been the first time that you've heard about grace. And and the good news is is that this grace that God has offered is a, is a free gift. There's nothing that you need to do to earn it. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. The truth is that you can't save yourself from the sin, but grace through the grace of God through Jesus Christ can. And I know at the at the at the end of the service, we'll be in the front. And if you want to talk more more about that, we, we will be happy to do that. But as we look, as, I, as recently I've also read the, the, the Luke 15, the, the story of the prodigal son. And as, as I was thinking of this message, so, so often we like the younger son. We were far from the father. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. But when the son came to his senses and realized that there was nothing that he could do, he returned to the father. And the Father welcomed him in with open arms. There was grace, there was mercy, there was forgiveness. Nobody is too sinful to receive the grace that God is offering. No one is too far from the heart of God to, to come back. The second person today, you might have heard about grace and you're thinking to yourself, I'm so glad Mark said this because now I have a get out of jail free card. I now can go do what I want. Why? Because God's grace is enough. You just said, God's grace will forgive me. It's made me right. If this is your view on grace, i ask you to consider this. i ask you to consider the cost of this free gift. The Bible is very clear. It says that grace is a free gift that we receive. But the Bible also tells us that, that this cost Jesus his life. Jesus' death on the cross was that we can have this new life. He was raised that we can, we can be accepted by God this should challenge your, your view of grace. It's not just a get out of jail free card, but rather it's a, it's a complete change of lifestyle. We wanna worship and honor God. And the final group today, you may have heard about grace before. You may have heard about, about grace often, but you may be like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. He was with the father. In his mind, he didn't do anything wrong. He had a perfect attendance record for work. He had been hard at work every day. His performance was great. And in his mind, all these things made him more deserving of the love and the grace that the Father would show him. Church, let let us not get caught up in thinking that we are better than others. Martin Luther famously said these words, that we are beggars all. We're all in need of grace. We're all in need of the same grace. We all were dead in our sins and trespasses. But we can be made alive in Christ. Therefore, it's nothing that we do, but rather what Christ has done for us. So as a result, let us rather be humble worshippers of God. And as I land today with with communion being, I think, the highlight of, of God's grace for us, what a, what a better moment to, to worship Him in that. So therefore, it is a, it is a time to be humble. Jesus says in, in Matthew 26, He says, you know, take this bread and eat of my body. Do this in remembrance of me. We, we are humble. We remember the grace that, that God has done. And He says, take, take my blood or take the cup and drink it. Which is a covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Again, we have an, option to, we have an opportunity to worship God for, for the grace and the mercy that He has shown us. His blood that forgives us has wiped our sin away. And he says, uh, and again, in, in, I think it's in Luke, he says, "Do this again, or, or continue to do this until I come again." This isn't just a, a once-off event, but rather it's a time just to remind us of the grace and the mercy and the love of God that He has shown us over and over again. So in this moment, as we, as we go into communion, we have an opportunity to become humble worshippers of God. Yes, Lord, we come before you now and, and just say thank you for your amazing grace. Lord. Lord. Your grace that saved us out of death and darkness your grace that that brought us into new and wonderful life in you Lord. and thank you just today that as we could just remember you in communion that it would be a time again just of of reminding ourselves of of the grace that we have received because of your son's death on the cross lord let us not just remember it today but let us go into this week into this year into the rest of our lives lord in in a constant attitude of remembrance of what you've done for us, Lord. Lord, humble us, Lord. Lord, help us to, to realize that this was all you and not us. Lord, help us to worship you because of that. Lord, just bring us again to our knees in, in worship for, for who you are and what you've done. So, Lord, I pray that as we go from now, Lord, that you'll just continue to be with us, Lord. Pray for this in your name. Amen.